Chief Janitor, personal log. Whose friggin' idea was it to put farm animals on the transporter? I'm knee-deep in hay and feces down here. Plus, I hear Riker tell some hot tomato that, get this, the ship cleans itself. Like hell it does. <laughs> Welcome to Reengage, the weekly podcast where we watch and discuss episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation. Our cultural bridge officers dissect each episode, as well as the pop culture and world events that took place when it first aired. We're a bunch of Gen X adults returning to the series we loved as kids to see how it holds up. So find somewhere to wash your feet and let's re-engage. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to Reengage and our uh, our look at Up the Long Ladder. Uh, before we do so, let's say hello to our cultural bridge officers. Eric Gratton, how are you? Good friend. I am great. I don't mind going up the long ladder. I'd rather not go down the short rope afterwards. Yes, awkward. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of awkward, that silence. Hey, Greg Tito, how are you? <laughs> That's me. I'm awkward man because I snorted out of my nose and it was funny. <laughs> I, I, for some reason, thought of soap on a rope when you said that, Eric, and it made me snort, which is very timely. And I'm excited to talk more about well, this. Well, soap on a rope is a, a short rope. It is a short rope. Exactly. We're at the end of that rope. <laughs> and Jimmy G, how are you, my friend? I am doing great. <laughs> <laughs> Very excited to talk about my lucky charms. <laughs> oh, yes, we're going to get into it, don't you worry? It's going to be such a good time as we talk about this. Oh my gosh, the accents in this. But we'll, but we'll get there. But for later, uh, let's talk about what was happening in the world around this episode. Uh, air date of May 22nd, 1989. Greg, there was lots of news happening. What was going on? Oh, my goodness. So we're going to get the culmination of the protests going on in Tiananmen Square. Things start to ramp up on May 20th when China declares martial law. That's when they start to be like, hey, look, you can't be here no more. We're going to send in the troops. Long. This is a long process here. Over the course of this, basically, the um, uh, Chinese public flood the streets and prevent the soldiers from getting close to the students who are in the pro in in the uh, the square. They continue the protest. They erect a replica of the Statue of Liberty, which ends up being like even more so like Occupy Wall Street was like with the, the 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 kind of art installation part of it going on. It becomes a little bit of a home base and a symbol for the students. Eventually, the troops do go go in on June third in the evening. All day there is open fire between uh, the troops and the the students, the protesters. They eventually do relinquish and walk away. There are terrible discrepancies in how many fatalities have resulted as the as a course of this clearing of the square, anywhere from a thousand to five thousand. Some people even put it at higher than that, uh, which is 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 terrible. And on June fifth, the day after that, is when that picture was taken of the man uh, protesting mm -hmm. still in front of the column of tanks. That became the 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 symbol that I remember seeing, you know, Time Time magazine covers like all over the place. Mm -hmm. Crazy, uh, you know. A couple other things happened because there's a couple of weeks before this uh, the next episode airs, so I'll, I'll, I'll jump around here. But on May 30th is when Margaret Ray she pleaded guilty to breaking into David Letterman's house. 
I remember this getting a lot of play uh, at this time as well uh, for for poor poor David Letterman. Yes, yes, I do remember. My parents were very big into watching his show, so I oftentimes fell asleep listening to that. And so I felt protective of him at the time. That's before right. we knew that all those guys were terrible. But uh, but yes, what a weird story that was. Uh, just a crazed fan, right? Right. Yeah, it was like a stalking case. And usually, you know, you always hear more of, of men stalking women, that type of thing. And this was this uh, 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 first time for me, at least, where I was like, oh, geez, this, you know, what's happening here? Anyway. Women can do it all. Yeah, <laughs> they really can. Uh, and then a little weird thing I just thought was funny. June 7th, uh, for one second in the morning, 1 a.m. on the 23rd minute, 45 seconds, on June 7th, 1989. It's 0123456789. Oh, that was fun. Wow. That, that That's sort of like when your odometer is about to go. <laughs> You're like, it's going to click over. It's going to click. It's gonna, ah, I got to go again. Uh, well, in the world of pop culture, we have a new song at number one, and that is Forever Your Girl by Paula Abdul. Oh, hey, yeah. baby, you got to remember, I'm forever your girl. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Such a good song. I love Paula Abdul. I think unironically still to this day. I always loved her, too. She was, I remember it being like this big thing that she had transferred from being a dancer to being her own star. And uh, I loved that she got to shine and got to be like, hey, I, I can do it. Look at this. And now, have you seen the commercials that she does now where it's a it's an arthritis commercial where she dances right alongside like a, a version of herself? I think maybe from this video if I and and like shows that she can still move. And I'm like, yes, I can't. <laughs> it's like if they have added mc scat cat to that i would have bought that medicine <laughs> even if i don't even have arthritis uh in the movie world see no evil hear no evil uh week two for that one uh, oh, piece of shit on television <laughs> uh we had uh the number one slot went to i know my name is steven which was a movie of the week. Uh, this was part two nice. uh, retelling of a kidnapped uh, child uh, finding his way. Uh, yes, Eric. I really recommend that everyone listening to this spend some time on YouTube in the next several months looking at old TV movies of the week. <laughs> They're all there. And holy shit, it's one of my favorite things to do. It's true. It's true. Uh, and finally, in television, um, we've had in the weeks leading up to this a lot of series finales, and this week was no different. Uh, the two-hour-long series finale of Miami Vice took place that week. Ah, end of the wow. 80s. Yeah, right? No Isn't, more I mean, pastel. like, doesn't that feel like that, right? Yeah, it really does, because that was such an iconic you know, thing, even like, you know, the way um, Grand Theft Auto Vice City perfectly portray, you know, portrayed that logo and that look and feel. Uh, so much is around the 80s with that pastel and the blazer. And so no good. socks with their loafers. <laughs> That's well, just it's, stinky. It's very funny that Michael Mann's movie of his series that was so kind of panned when it came out is now pretty much considered a masterpiece. So, like, it's super interesting, the whole series of Miami Vice from, from gestation all the way through the, the current thought of both series and movie i'll have to revisit it now that i know that it's brilliant 
<laughs> now that someone like, told it's me so. Fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this episode was written by Melinda M. Snodgrass, who was a series story editor in seasons two and three. Uh, she also contributed produced scripts for Odyssey 5, The Outer Limits, Sequest DSV, and Reasonable Doubts. Uh, she also uh, writes sh- science fiction novels and short stories, most notably the Circuit Trilogy, and is the co-editor and frequent story contributor to George R. R. Martin's Wild Card Shared World series. So she's got some sci-fi bona fides here, for sure. I love my, my Snodgrass. She's so good. Uh, directed by Winrich Kolb, uh, associate producer, who was an associate producer for the original run of Battlestar Galactica. Directed The Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew Mysteries, Rockford Files, Knight Rider, and Scarecrow and Mrs. King, Angel, Lois and Clark, and 24. Uh, but most known to us for directing 48 episodes of Star Trek across four television series, uh, Next Generation, Voyager, Deep Space Nine, and Enterprise. Uh, including he directed the Hugo Award-winning All Good Things, which we will get to in all good time. Mm. Jimmy, tell us uh, what was happening behind the scenes. Uh, Not a whole lot on this one. Um, You know, Snodgrass did want to call it Send in the Clowns. They changed it up. Send in the clones, right? They wanted, yes, send in the clones. They didn't want to bury (laughs) the lead there. Uh, and, you know, the pregnant lady was actually really pregnant. Uh, Sims Hmm. was her name, uh, prop master's wife. Uh, and they also bred all the miniature goats that you saw. Uh, and if you know me, you know, I have an affinity for miniature goats. Do you really? Because I have an affinity for miniature goats. I love them so much. It is a human thing. (laughs) Ever since I saw one get kicked by a horse in high school in Stuttgart, Germany, and it flew 25 feet away and then just got up and huffed right back on over to the horse. (laughs) I was like, that guy is tough and hilarious. (laughs) Talk about a physical comedian. Like sometimes you get kicked. No biggie. Fell in love with miniature goats. Oh my gosh. Uh, Eric, we've got, besides the baby goats, we have some guest stars of note in this episode. Yes, I, but I will ignore all of them, and I'm going to concentrate on one of the baby goats in particular. <laughs> who had a long and storied career. Let me tell you about it now. No, okay, so I'm going to go with three of our of our guest stars. We're going to skip chief miles o'brien though at some point i'm just going to talk about him like he's a regular guest star since that's still how they're billing him um so we have a pretty good list here we start out with uh, brenna odell who is played by rosalind landauer or landor i believe is how you pronounce it uh i did not know her name but as soon as I saw her, I recognized her from one of my favorite bad movies that is, I think, actually pretty good. Um, called Bad Influence. Do you guys remember this? About a year after this. This is this is Rob Lowe and James Spader. Yes. Uh, with also this. Marcia Cross and uh, Kathleen Wilhoit. And the the like fifth character in it, there's like seven main characters or so, is Rosalind Landor, and she's terrific in it. Um it's not a, like, I feel like so many movies of the late 80s, early 90s, if you just change the score and take out 
the very dated feeling of kind of everything being scored by Tangerine Dream, (laughs) 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 which has its place. I love me some Tangerine Dream scores, but the people who tried to sound like Tangerine Dream Mm. uh, and scored movies like this particular one, I think really kind of uh, made these movies kind of difficult to appreciate. I really like this one and the acting therein. Check it out. But what I'm sad I didn't remember is that she played Fiona always in Rumpole of the Bailey, which is one of my favorite shows to watch with my dad back in the day. She did somewhere around 43 episodes of that. She's done a ton of voice acting credits from the time she was three or four to 2015. A very good career. But then we go to John DeVries, also a very nice career. He played Prime Minister Granger and all the little clonies. Uh, any chance I get to bring up one of the one of his first credits, I do so. This is a, uh, I believe, a TV movie, but it might have been a, a, a kind of flop at the box office first. But it's Robert Preston and Mary Tyler Moore in Finnegan Begin Again. Do you remember this movie? <laughs> this is my favorite title of like ever, and I saw this movie seven or eight times when it came out. I just, I want to mention it every chance I get. Um, tons of TV, independent films, uh, things as big as American Gangster, Kill Your Darlings. He did this um, Uncle Vanya on TV a couple years ago that got some pretty good notices. Uh, tons of stage, though. Eight Broadway shows from the late 70s to mid-90s, and uh, his most recent big stage credit was the national tour of August Osage County in 2009. Hmm. I'm going to keep my eye out on him forever. Um, but the big one in this one is Bernie Ingham who played Danilo Odell. This is a name I did not know, Barry Ingham, but holy hell do we certainly know the actor. First and forever know that this man was the voice of Basil of Baker Street in uh, The Great Mouse Detective. Oh, no way! Um, He was in the ill-fated TV uh, movie sequel to The Jerk called The Jerk, T-O-O. And uh, he played the the wily British butler in that one. Um, he's in the A-Team, Tales of the Golden Monkey, Airwolf, Murder, She Wrote, The Jeffersons, The Sweeney, Doctor Airwolf. Who, and The Daleks. The Avengers was his very first TV film credit in 1961. But on stage, his most recent Broadway was he closed out the last four years of the original Broadway production of Jekyll and Hyde, the musical, mm. as Sir Danvers Carew, the role originated by John Raitt in the concert version, mm. um, which is just a fantastic role. He is the King Pelinor that I think of when I think of Camelot because he did the um, Richard Harris um, uh, revival in 1981-82 on Broadway, which is the video that was on HBO that we had on VHS and I watched a hundred fucking times. He was brilliant in that role. He did the original uh, London cast of Gypsy opposite Angela Lansbury as Herbie. Wow. He uh, was in several other uh, musicals on Broadway. He's a big star. Go look him up, whatever the end. <laughs> Why am whatever. I not surprised that he has stage credits behind yeah. him? <laughs> Just he, he commands the screen with confidence, does he not? Yes, yes, he does. Uh, let's uh, let's get into this episode. Uh, why don't we? Uh, we're at star date 42823.2. Uh, and we start out with a really interesting set of shots. We stay on the outside of the ship with tense music 
for for quite some time. I mean, noticeable enough that I was like, what's going on outside the ship? And then we go inside and things are even more tense uh, with a great gnashing of Worf's teeth. Uh, I, it feels different than most of our, our cold opens. Uh, what did y'all think about that cold open? I rewound it because I didn't know. I thought I missed something with the Worf thing. Um so I rewound it to see what's happening. It's like, oh, I didn't miss anything. It's just really weird. Uh, yeah, I did the exact same thing. I rewound it. And when I figured out that I hadn't missed anything, I'm like, this is my favorite cold open I've ever seen. <laughs> anything ever. I have no fucking idea what's about to happen. And he's just, he's, so, he's breathing heavy. He got the sweats. And it's just that voiceover of the, the growl that's happening there. It just, it if he would have farted there, I would have lost it. <laughs> <laughs> Another ruined take. No, I would have called Keys like I'm hosting. <laughs> <laughs> and we're not gonna talk about anything else. Fair enough. Uh so we get a little bit of intrigue there at the at the very beginning. We we move on to the ready room where Picard and Riker are listening to a distress beacon, a code that hasn't been used for centuries. Uh, and, uh, I kind of got into the history a little bit that they were trying to lay down, that it was used by the European Hegomi, uh, the first stirrings of a world government, which is really hegemony, right? Yeah. But that's not what they say. That's not what Riker says. Yeah. He didn't say yeah. Picard doesn't say any hegemony, but it's intriguing. I like they're, they're, they're laying out a lot of, uh, past knowledge yeah backstory and and basically you know they they talk about it being you know the first world government they're they're talking about the eu they just didn't know it yet like it 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 was just a series of um you know common trade agreements at the time uh, governed by representatives in brussels but it wasn't what it is now and i think they were talking kind of about what it is now Hmm. Except England. <laughs> Except England. And this is one of those things. I mean, I was going to mention that too. And it's interesting. Like, this is one of those things that Star Trek predicted, right? Like the tricorders being our phones and, and all that stuff. Uh, I feel like this was the stirrings of, of that uh, in my head, at least for the first time, where I was like, right, you can have a European Union? What? You can. Except for, except for England. <laughs> and you guys took it as Europe. Because when you said world government, I thought they were being Gene Roddenberry literal of, like it was the first stirrings of the entire world coming together under one government, not just right. But this was the first stirrings of that, of the the European hegemony, as they say, <laughs> the European hominy, <laughs> the homily, the haberdasher, <laughs> and and then this continues to be. I think I agree with you, Eric. One of my favorite cold openings ever because. They sort of finish that conversation, and the moment they come out onto the bridge, Worf is already down. They're already calling for help. Uh, so I, I just I I love the use of setting up that tension at the beginning, letting it relax, and then we come in in the middle of what has been what what we've been missing. It's a Chekhov's gun in 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 five minutes. It's great. right. <laughs> <laughs> Episode over. <laughs> 
Uh, and then go to opening credits. We get a nice captain's log letting us know everything that we just saw, just in case we're coming in late because there didn't used to be a way to rewind television. And we go and Pulaski essentially tells Worf that he fainted. And he does not like this. You don't tell a Klingon that shit, man. No, right? Well, he says Klingons don't faint. And I got to tell you, I looked it up. I went to the Klingon translator online and I typed in faint and the word came back faint because the Klingons do not have a word for faint. There it is. I'm saying he's in, he's embarrassed an entire uh, culture spanning galaxies. I do love Pulaski's like explanation of what fainting is in a very matter of fact, fuck you doctor kind of way. I was like, all right, yeah, you earned that. This is one of my favorite Pulaski episodes right up until the end when she goes very weird. Yes, we will talk about that. <laughs> she runs some tests and finds out he basically has Klingon measles, which is super embarrassing. It's a kid's disease. And then Picard calls in and she full on lies to Picard in order to save Worf's uh, embarrassment. What do Did we you think guys of this? think they were going to hook up? I thought oh, hell yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I wrote down, do they smash? <laughs> oh, uh, that's not at all where I went with it, but thank you for taking me there. <laughs> she found husband number four. <laughs> I think her, you know, obfuscation when it comes to the captain was really nice. Like, like they figured out the EU. This is, they, they figured out HIPAA. <laughs> <laughs> Can't give anything away. Yeah, I, I think this is a nice bonding moment only just because these two characters haven't interacted very much beyond the quips around uh, Klingon culture. So it's clear that Pulaski is a fan or at least knows uh, enough to argue with with Worf. So I just like that this was just a nice way to, to, to bring these two characters that are very different together. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, and we get this nice little in-betweenery uh, where we... Um, see Picard and Data trying to look up maybe if they can find the manifest. That's a different way to find the ship if it got lost somehow uh, in in the lists. Because it um, was loaded onto another ship. So it's it's just uh, another product on a bigger ship, right? It's, it's, That's why the manifest was important. Oh, is that why? Yeah, the ship was loaded onto another ship, I thought. So, That's what I took out of it. So it was like a turducken? Yeah, because there was no log of the ship making a trip to the FICA thing. It was loaded onto another ship and transported. And so the manifest of that other ship is what gave them the clue. Because the other ship dropped off the that ship in the FICA Mariposa. system. Yeah. I, I disagree with Jimmy's interpretation. I think it was they looked for a manifest on a ship that was loaded and headed to the ficus. By the way, it's the ficus. That's so fucked up and awesome. <laughs> I'm gonna go live in the ficus sector. That's your goddamn ass. Sounds delightful. <laughs> a little too suburban for me, but we'll fix it when we get there. Um, I, I think that's what it was. And I think they even said that they had record of something headed that direction. 
They just didn't have another a record ship. of what the ship was. <laughs> no, they didn't have a name of another ship. They didn't. They would have said the name of whatever that ship was. They didn't. They didn't have that. They had a manifest of it being loaded, which means they had the products, which were more important than the people or the ship or anything like that. It was they found a manifest of what was on the ship, which was two mm -hmm. uh, types of things. You know. Uh, farm animals for dummies and machines for smart people. <laughs> and then they figured, oh, and that's going right. to the FICA sector. But I do not believe you're right, Jimmy, about the other ship. I don't okay. think it was another ship either. I think it was the, the there, were, there was no official records of a launch because that was a government record and those could have been lost. But the idea was like, but there would be economy, there would be commerce, there would be businesses uh what are the, the steve doors loading the the ship and they would they would those records would be accessible perhaps not the yeah. official government because the government was overthrown and they torched all those 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 documents wow that was a lot from <laughs> they conveyed a lot to there's you. a lot of world building going on in there <laughs> With the whole I the hegemony with i think that's that's how historians <laughs> even do stuff now they they look at Commerce, because commerce has always taken right. better records. No, I'm sure this, the writers are like, else. very few people will get this, but the ones who do, <laughs> they're our fans. I think they said, Jimmy won't get this. <laughs> Jimmy won't get this shit. <laughs> to your point, Eric, there was a recent discovery of like a, a, a tablet in Babylonian that was like making fun of one merchant's copper. Like the copper shipment was bad. And like people actually translated that out of cuneiform and be like, that's the record that we that's have. Awesome. This is amazing. That's awesome. People have always found ways to be petty. <laughs> so we find out a, a little bit more backstory. Earth was recovering from World War Three. Oopsie doodles. And they think that perhaps uh, these travelers were following a philosopher who advocated living with the Earth. Uh, so a nice little environmental message there. But meanwhile, uh, we go back to sickbay and Worf brings Pulaski a Klingon tea ceremony in what is a very lovely scene. Other than the tea ceremony should kill you if you're a human. Well, right. And the fact that she just <laughs> like, well, I've got a cure. Yes. Yeah, she she is so hardcore. She goes. Okay, now I'm going to do it right because I know this would kill me. So fuck it. Here, give me the poison, man. Yeah. That was amazing. Yeah. And spout some love poetry at me. So that was another question mark. Do they smash the after this? This is, this right. is where yeah. I wrote, do they smash? Because <laughs> yeah. they she, wants, she wants some poetry for sure. Mm -hmm. So canon, they smashed. Also <laughs> canon, it wasn't only uh, a antidote. It was a contraceptive. <laughs> canon also canon it didn't work and she had a Klingon baby and that like is that why too. she left at the end of season one. Oh, love it dropping the canon can I ask why Picard to go back just for a second why was Picard so confused that someone would have like cows and plants when Picard now is a farmer maybe canon this is what inspired him to become a farmer there you go. <laughs> perfect no, I mean, at, at the time of the series, he had vineyards in his family still. But we're still working the old ways. Right. No, that's true. Uh, maybe he had similar worries to, to me, which is don't send animals through space. Right. Or their hay. 
<laughs> I think it was the contrast, right? There was this high tech gear and this spinning wheel level gear, and he's like, "What is going on? What's all this then?" We only got the spinning wheel people. <laughs> we go back to the bridge to find out that uh, we we've reached a planet with a dying sun. And they realize they're going to have to rescue everyone down below. But Troy says, hey, maybe don't just blindly pick them up because that might freak them out. Which I feel like is shouldn't have to be explained. That it would freak people out with one moment you're looking, you know, west and the next moment you're in a metal tube. I do think, however, that it's it, it would be weird if they didn't know they came from Earth or space. And that they only have three and a half hours until the planet's gone. So, like, <laughs> yes, I, I do think that, that uh, culture shock is weird and bad. But, like, you deal with that when you have this <laughs> other big thing going. Sure. We just sure. are hot off on the heels on a uh, uh, Prime Directive episode. And they seem to just blow past that here without nary a mention. Uh I guess it is the fact that they were technically humans and it's a colony, but not being, when does the prime directive kick back in if they don't have warp capabilities and are, you know, chickens and pygmy goat readers? Never. They're human. They're human. (laughs) Terran. I like, this is the, one of the first references to Terran I remember hearing as well. Uh, One of my, I read Den of Geek just to see what they say about these episodes. And, (laughs) I said, you know, because every planet has an Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like they do, they do a nice little bit of uh, of budget saving, too, by sending Riker down to the planet. But we never see him go. We just oh, hear reports, uh, which leads to a very funny moment of, you know, him uh, again trying to tell Picard something and Picard not listening. Uh, and just get it taken care of, uh, which leads to O'Brien transporting uh, pigs into the transporter room. With hay. With hay. With hay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I love that scene. I've seen that, that chicken flying out uh, that, that Picard cool. sees with the little girl. It's perfect. I I love this introduction for, for and reaction by him because we know what it, it's. It's one of those times where the audience is in on the joke a little bit, even though we haven't seen uh these folks yet because it uses a lot of those vaudevillian type of uh, uh things in here so i i adore this this entrance and you just know it's going to be this class of cultures thing uh played out in front of us and we go straight into just tatoy 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 with uh oh o'brien is it i should have known an irishman would run the ship which is just why would you know that <laughs> You haven't been to Earth in 300 years. He knew that Ireland was going to run the world. Oh, it's, not an un, it's not an That'd uncommon be, thought in Ireland. That's a better backstory. Yeah. I like that their plan is, fuck it, just beam all this shit to the cargo bay. <laughs> so everybody back onto the transporter. Yeah. So rather yeah. than having them walk and tread you know, hey, everywhere, we'll just directly beam you across. And then right after that, Odell tries to offer his daughter up to Picard, the first of, of many troubling moments uh, when it comes to how we deal with. Uh, He's like the gender. Irish Columbo. He constantly is like, hey, uh, Captain, I, 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 uh, one, one more thing, one more thing. <laughs> one, one more thing, if you don't mind. <laughs> it's so good. And Picard says, no, 
no, not interested. Yeah. <laughs> Until he meets her, and then there's that flash of like, mm, I'll think about it. Well, and and we we meet them pretty pretty soon, right? We go to the conference room. We find out that not only are there a lot of them, but they're already breeding somehow. Uh, and there's going to be no, they're already pregnant. There's going to be more. Uh, and then there's a fire in Cargo Base Seven, and they've already formed a, a little community. And that is where we meet Brenna, who takes no prisoners, and and both Picard and Riker are instantaneously delighted by her i was too yeah for sure <laughs> like, like as we soon get as our she came on it's like okay brenna hello we get our maureen o'hara moment right she's just looking for a john wayne and since Riker walks like john wayne i mean how how perfect can you get yeah he's got that little tilt to the left <laughs> Uh, there's that, there, yeah, the tilt to the left. Absolutely. There's that little exchange. Uh, have you never seen a woman before? I thought I had. Come on. Oh, oh. <laughs> and what I love about that line is it's cheesy, but he delivers it with absolute confidence as if it's not cheesy and then makes it not cheesy. Like, okay. If he would have said that to me, I would have swooned as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, and he decides uh, very quickly that maybe he should just stay behind to help, which is just so thirsty. I can hardly even stand it. <laughs> the look that Picard gives him, too, is like, oh, right, go get him, tiger. Uh, this is where we find out that apparently the ship will clean itself. I don't. I did not know that that was possible, but I'm. But it's canon because it's on here. While you sleep, the transporter beam just comes through and takes everything that wasn't there yesterday. Right. <laughs> I love her response to "Good for the bloody ship." That's so good. But here's where things uh, point to get a little awkward. Is that the, she goes? She's. Maybe it's because she's so fiery, but she goes from one moment of like, oh, good for the bloody ship, to then suddenly like, look at my ankles. <laughs> I don't know if it's pheromones, if it's just the swarthy left-leaning look he's giving her, but like she turns on a dime and decides that uh, she likes what he's putting down. Literally turns on a dime. Right? Because she has her back to him. There's the pause where you see the camera shot of him not wavering. He's staring her down. And then she flips around to see, like, what are you doing? And then that's where that, <laughs> that oh, okay. Maybe, yeah. you, maybe you can handle my fire. <laughs> Is how I took it. <laughs> that was cheesy, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> there was something weirdly, like... Yes. I, I, she she does a very good performance and her b b raising the skirts to show her ankles is actually kind of hot i was like all very right this is, there's nothing here but i'm like i'm into it you're not like a victorian wrong. porno <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> i mean you can already see the inside of her wrists which is already sending me but she makes up for just showing her um ankles very soon we find out uh in a very brief scene uh yet again a number another one of those colombo moments where uh excuse me captain one, one more uh one. have you heard from the other colony which is a nice <gasps> way to sort of drop that little bit in Dun -ba -bum. you should have led with that this is the first of where they just repeat the other colony <laughs> yes. to end the scene we'll get to another one later 
Yes, yes, we will. <laughs> they go to Riker's room. William Riker, you're a mess. Again, we... He says, no wonder your dad wants to marry you off so he can have a pint in peace. Oh, sweet Jesus. He even has a little bit of a, tilt, a lilt when he's saying it, too. Like, he's he's playing oh, the part. Oh, for sure. But, y'all, I remember that fucking outfit from mm-hmm. the time. I was in it to win it on that outfit. That crocheted uh, halter top. Who knew crochet could be so sexy? Your grandma. <laughs> she knew she didn't <laughs> promise you in grad school we did a production of Cymbeline where all the costumes were macrame that's all I'm thinking of right now <laughs> it was college enough said uh, yep. Detroit. but well, then she turns got... on him and is like what's, what's the matter with you right yeah yeah, uh, you know, I, does she ask him if he likes girls? Yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 Do you not like girls? Because he's, cause he's uh, I guess, taking his time, and she has no time for that because she's got to wash those damn feet. But as we know, yeah. you start from the top and work your way down. This was, mm. this was cheeky for what I assume was 8 o'clock at night uh, in the late uh-huh. 1980s. Even earlier, right? Wasn't it at seven? I think some. I think it was seven in Central anyway. Yeah, I mean, steamy, steamy. I know, and I remember my mom liking this scene. I do remember her being because she was she watched a lot of these older, you know, films. She was she was the youngest of, and so she loved the forties and the fifties and the like the little thing of the Irish thing, the Catholic thing. It was all in her blood, and she liked this. I'm gonna make a prediction about your mom. Yeah, based on my mom. Was she a big Aiden Quinn fan? Yes. Yep. There you go. Yep. All right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. That's hilarious. My mom's yep. all about Tim Curry. Fair enough. Oh, mm. fair enough. Mm. Uh, now we go back to the cargo bay, and Odell once is trying to hook up his steins to make his own whiskey. Steins? That's not what they are. Uh, the, the still. 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 Stills. He needs to get hot, right? Yeah. Patine, in fact. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, it is, it's an Irish whiskey, but it's, yeah, it's it's homemade yes. specifically. Yeah. Uh, so, of course, Worf orders him uh, the real thing instead of this damn synthanol. He says it's terrible. So Worf orders him a Klingon drink and we get the first of many beautiful, just spit take, pulling a face, uh <laughs> I can't make that sound. The <laughs> eyes going, <laughs> you know, the, the, the cross-eyed there while he's doing it. So good. Uh, and just classic. There is so much Irish in this and none of it's flattering. No. But it's all funny. It's fine. But like two seconds of thought goes into this patine thing. Like anybody who home makes their whiskey in the Irish way like this isn't going to have to do it during the seven hours they're on this fucking ship. They're going, if they brought the hay, they brought the whiskey. Like Mm -hmm. it is so fascinating to me that they, they just couldn't get away without having the Irish need more whiskey than they could possibly have brought with them. Um, That's all I want to say about the Irish (laughs) shit. It's so funny. Um, And honestly, it's, half my family in Ireland looks and sounds and acts this way. So like, fine. 
but it's very funny that these were the things that were chosen to, to portray as the things that stayed with this group for 300 years. They all doubled down on the American cliches about the Irish. I was just going to say, harkening back to when Picard had his, his reaction to this, where he just laughs and calls it the absurd. You have to, what does he say? You Sometimes you just have to bow to the absurd. Bow. Yeah. For some reason, that reaction kind of took a lot of the uh, meanness out of this because I think it was, it was just meant to be this contrast of, you know, pristine sci-fi technological utopia to you know medieval uh times and i just I, I liked that contrast and i think it to me plays for comedy not in any kind of uh uh you know meanness or 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 yeah i mean stereotypes play for comedy it's fine again it's fine it's funny it's just lazy it's very very, it very lazy, lazy but it doesn't feel like punching down it feels like it does to me it does but i i feel what you're saying yeah I'm not offended by it, but it like choose, you know, choose Norwegians. Like nobody thinks of them as lazy and drunk, but you choose them and somehow make this group lazy and drunk. Like if you want a lazy and drunk group, choose the Germans and make it seem weird that they would be lazy. You know, it's, it's just, it's frustrating. <laughs> it's not racist. It's just lazy. Yeah, it's valid. I know a lot of these things online would call it racist. I'm like, no. No, 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 no. But it is lazy. I love uh, Brenna's reaction, though, uh, where she just reads Worf the Riot Act. Anytime someone <laughs> reads Worf the, the Riot Act, I'm, I'm filled with pleasure. Just seeing him take in the abuse is always, is always lovely. And then he says, what did, do you have Madden. a career in security? <laughs> yeah. You have a security. Great line. And then she comes right back at him with the babysitting. Ah, so yes. So she even comes on top. I thought maybe she was going to show war for ankles. <laughs> <laughs> She's wearing that same crochet outfit. Yeah. Which begs that question, was it that very long that uh, Brenna and Riker had together? Is, is Riker a fast finish? <laughs> well, you it know, they watched to, a little yeah. harp porn and... <laughs> And Riker's like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I need the hard never happens. Yeah. It's never happens. <laughs> you guys went dark. I like it. <laughs> it's not you. It's me. <laughs> I was just going to say that they've both got their tactics down to an efficiency that is impressive. But... <laughs> nope. Finisher. <laughs> nope. <Fast> finisher. <laughs> Meanwhile, we have found the Mariposa, uh, the other colony. Which, by the way, there's a moment where, where, because uh, I was hit by the poetry of like, oh, it's the Mariposa. That means butterfly. Which earlier Data tries to tell Picard, and Picard is <laughs> not interested in the symbolism uh, of that whatsoever. But that we, do, uh, we do, we uh, do, and it, it, it takes on even more meaning as we hit the planet. Troy sends her sort of, um, hey, something's not quite right, um, <laughs> uh, vibes out. Uh, but away we go with Riker, Pulaski, and Worf, and suddenly there are twins, triplets, and quadruplets everywhere. What is happening? I took a quadruple take watching this scene. <laughs> we see Pulaski take a little secret reading. 
which looks like she's analyzing like a plant or something. But uh, turns out she she meets the prime minister. And the first thing she says to Granger is, are everyone here clones? Bum, bum, bum. And then they all say clones one million times. Clones, 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 clones. It's so just to confirm. The funny thing I, is, is that it actually is earned a little bit. Like I kind of get the, the it's it's gone to each one of them. They all have the different reactions. It's a ballsy move. I'm not sure if it was successful, but I was I, I kind of tracked it. I was like, oh yeah, you would say like it. Maybe they just had a word count they had to reach in the script. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's funny that Pulaski's the only one who who decided that this very i would assume well-known technology uh that 400 people didn't just suddenly discover it uh when they were you know in space doing whatever research they were doing i can see it being outlawed all that kind of stuff but the technology has existed for hundreds of years yeah it wasn't con so like con was a clone right so like that seeing six people who all look the same wouldn't set off your clone <laughs> possibilities is fascinating to me. Maybe she just has the thing about identicals. No, she gets it. She got it. She it's, got it. I'm just fascinated that the clones were even surprised that they figured out it was clones. I'm like, what? You're not hiding. There's 25 of you walking around here. <laughs> they take Granger on board the ship, and uh, he explains that when they landed... The skin of the ship was breached and only five people survived. And I love that the like first question out of the gate is, tell me about sex from Pulaski. How did you convince people not to do it? And he says, basically, now they think sex is icky. Hmm. Um, so, but she wants to know about replicative fading, which he very quickly says, good question haven't solved it that's why we need your help and Riker's like what's that yes and they uh quickly establish that they want to clone the ship's occupants and Riker is not okay with that because one William Riker is special which is uh very ironic that they would say that because in season six we get another Riker yes <laughs> because of these they forgot to kill one of them here Riker's been leaving little William Riker hybrids behind him all across the galaxy for at least a decade. A few minutes ago. Yeah. Um, but they need to be all his. He doesn't want other William Rikers <laughs> running around doing the same thing. It's hard to keep track. Iterations of him, not duplicates of him, right? Yes. That's right. That's right. Granger says, will you, will you at least fix our shit? And they're like, yeah, okay. <laughs> they should say now we had a bad experience with that recently. Well, right? Like this is my first thought was like <laughs> you just had an experience where you got totally hosed by this. You've just told this person bad news, but don't worry about it. We're just going to send, you know, our most important people back down to the planet. I'm sure everything will be okay. Amazing. Here's here's where things get weird. They go down, uh of course they get shot, uh stunned. Um, two seconds later, Jordy walks in, mm -hmm. but they do not want Jordy's DNA. Mm -hmm. What kind of eugenics bullshit is this? Yep. What is happening here? The worst kinds. Blatant. Yeah. That, that idea came slow to me as I was watching this and I was like, oh, that sucks. Right. 
I mean, I get practically you have to have somebody who goes, hey, where were you? There's time missing. Uh, But it's just, yeah. It's the choice white people who don't look at the possible uh, side effects make. If I can give them the kindest, the, the writers, the kindest interpretation, they picked a character who would be there and said this. But like. You should have known better. They should have known better. That's fucking ridiculous. I will say, uh, I think I was scarred for life as a child from the DNA extraction uh, sequence because they're just lying there with their eyes open and like Mm -hmm. and extracting from the stomach. That's so upsetting. That was the grossest. I I don't like needles. And maybe it does, in fact, trace back to this because it is terrifying. Well, and, and we find out in the next scene that apparently uh, stomach cells are the best kind of cells for cloning, obviously. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows that. Everybody knows Obvi. that. Uh, and they have to piece piece together what happened because Jordy's like, everyone was lying to me. Uh, and we find out that Jordy is a bit of a of a lot has some he lie knows. detection. Yeah, that w- that explanation was five sentences too long. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they could have, I can tell because of this. That's all we needed. That whole list of the things. Like, okay, then why can't you do better in poker? Like, right. <laughs> and especially because they don't then use him in every away team. Right. To tell him and this Troy. about everybody. Right. Yeah. What Joined do you feel? What hip. do you see? <laughs> the buddy cop picture we need. <laughs> right. I love the fact that they realize that something terrible happened, but they don't tell anyone. <laughs> they just, the three <laughs> of them go back. Right, just being there. Like, they don't tell the captain. They don't take Wharf with them. Oh, wow, There's no yeah. sort of, like, it's just, like, they took ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> it's full revenge mission. Yeah. Because then they go back down to the planet. They find uh, two sort of crypto tables uh, with clones <laughs> inside and they full on m- murder them to death. Yep. <laughs> he take Riker deliberately take. Uh, you see him. He's oh, he's going for his phaser. He is. He's setting his phaser. He is. Oh, yep. There it is. Done. Vaporize. Yeah. And then he asks permission to kill the Pulaski clone. She's like, hell yeah. It's very kind. Very kind to ask. (laughs) (laughs) May I abort your clone? (laughs) Riker is not down to clone. (laughs) He is not. He is not ready for it. Well, Granger comes and says, we have a right to survive. Uh, Riker says, well, we have a right to control our own bodies. Um, I did read that the director got some some flack from the uh, right to life late 1980s contingency uh, because of that phrase. Uh, we have the light, right to control our bodies and because they flat out uh, m- murdered the clones to death. <laughs> and I think Melinda Snodgrass said she's purposely put pro-choice language, language in Riker's mouth. I think she even said yeah. uh, to, to, to prove her point because she felt so strongly about it. Yay. Troy is adamant that they are just humans who want to live. Pulaski with the best bedside manner ever says they need breeding stock. And that gives everyone an idea. Oh, no red flags here. <laughs> you know who <laughs> likes to watch your ankles. <laughs> we've got some livestock in our uh our cargo hold 
does like nobody turns to them and says, "Well, you're you're human. Hum humans will survive." Like right, we, we, there are trillions of them by now. Like, what are you fucking talking about? Right. <laughs> Why are you so important that you particular humans, you know, yeah. and, and, and then they say like, oh, too, too bad. We would have a city that would just be dead. That would suck. What that was it? a weird threat. The Pulaski's like, you know, the M class plan, I'll be ready to take over. They'll be dead in 50 years. Everything gets real weird from this. It gets super like weird culty like vibes i don't know i uh, the, the 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 whole episode just takes a turn here there's a moment where pulaski points out that yeah we can get them some extra dna but that won't solve the problem in something like 15 generations they'll have to go through all this again and i'm like Oh, 500 years? Right. You can, you can give them a vial of DNA and they'll be fine for 500 years? That seems like a pretty easy fucking thing to do. As well as, like, if, that, if you have that amount of time, you can send up a signal, throw a flare, and there are other peoples of the universe who would want to live there, including humans. Yes. And she thought there was a possibility that today she could fix this scientifically. So, like... Someone can do it in 500 years, probably. She's like, I'll go back to the ship and see what I can do. Well, and there's no, there's no recognition of the fact that this is essentially an asexual race at this point, or a group of people uh, at this point, uh, oh, wow. who are not about the having of sexy times. Um, but they're like, you'll get used to it, and <laughs> fast. <laughs> it's just... And there's no, there's no talking to, you know, of course Odell is there, but like, uh, there's no sort of talking to the other people, you know, his, his people to see like, who's on board with this? Because as soon as he hears that there's no monogamy, well, tie to tie to tie, knock me down and call me Darby O'Gill, uh, cause there's my little person. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He totes a toys right into his hand, and the other guy does the same. And just like that, they made their entire people's decisions for them forever. Three kids by three fathers for each woman. There's a burden there that is not shared. I'm just going to tell that out loud. I'm just going to say that out loud. There's not a shared burden there. Hey, Pulaski decided it for everybody, and so they have to do it. No, it's like... Uh... A Mormon propaganda piece at the end. Just bring all the sister wives you can find. We're going to people this oh my planet. God, yeah. The only thing that makes it okay is that the very next moment we see the cutest fucking baby goat known to man. <laughs> <laughs> That's some good editing right there. It is right? good editing. Because briefly I was like, son of a bitch, what are they? Oh, the baby goat. Very cute. And of course we have, um, they they are taking him to sort of see this is who we're going to make you hang out with. Uh, and he seems very um, both repelled and attracted to what he sees. It's, a, it's an interesting acting choice um, for our prime minister as he's down there. Um, I noticed the, 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 the repulsion for sure. I didn't, I, you, you thought he was, a little more wide-eyed and wanting to see more when he was walking through there? 
moments where he's like, well, look at that baby goat. And what about that baby goat? (laughs) (laughs) He likes pets. Not so much uh, the the doing it, though. So (laughs) but the pets. Right, right, right. Uh, uh, She is rightly pissed about it. Uh, I actually love that they give her at least a moment to be pissed about it. And she says, basically, I didn't sign up to be Eve. Uh, But it's very short lived because they're like, well, you can go anywhere you want, but you won't ever see anybody you love ever again. Uh, Apparently, those are the two options. Not you can stay with them, choose not to participate in the. Uh, you know, it's baby a, factory. Yes, it's 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 sort of all or none. And uh, uh, my question was, is there going to end up being some Riker DNA on that planet? Well, and she walks right over and shows him her ankles. She really does. You can uh, see the yeah, long she shot. She's holding up her skirt a little bit, like, oh, so that's your that's your thing. It's her move. Struggle, struggle. That's your maneuver. George Costanza stops short and puts his arm out, and that's what she does. So what do we think of this uh, odd hodgepodge of an episode? Uh, I will tell you that uh, history has not been kind to this episode in terms of uh, the overall aggregate score uh, of how people view this uh, with a modern lens. Uh, It is in some ways reviled as one of the worst episodes uh, of Star Trek. Uh, next generation. I don't know that it is amongst the worst. We've we've already seen some of the amongst the worst, uh, but it's certainly not amongst the best. Uh, Greg, tell me tell me what your overall feelings are for this. I am gonna give it seven and a half long second shots of the Enterprise uh, in orbit around this planet. Um, it is a entertaining episode for me. I like the contrast between all of these cultures. You don't see uh, the uh, olden times kind of way of life uh, portrayed on a Star Trek vessel. And I liked the absurdity of that. The only way they do it usually is by going, you know, these guys going back in time. And I liked it was more of like a, you know, an older way of thinking uh, being, being contrasted with uh, all the technology and problems that exist in our world. The vaudevillian kind of humor, I don't know what's endearing to me. I, uh, you know, grew up watching that type of stuff with my mom. Maybe that's why she is a little bit uh, on the more, so we say, judgmental side uh, around all things. Uh, but I enjoyed it uh, when I was a kid. I enjoy the laughter and laughing along with uh, the the comedy of this. And Picard's absurdity line kind of kind of sums it all up for me. Nice. Jimmy. Uh, I will give it a solid five poison tea parties. <laughs> uh, it's mediocre at best. Um, I slightly disagree with Eric about the whole Irish trope. I did think it was it was racist. Uh, it certainly was lazy. Uh, if you would have made all those people African and had an accent, we would have had a whole different conversation about what they were doing with with that whole storyline it's just making taking a whole race of people and then representing them as that is like "Eh, i'm not interested that's uh it's not my point is just the irish aren't a race 
Uh, right, or racist. just their culture. Yeah. I mean, they were yeah. meaning to Irish people. Race, yeah, there was, they it were was, stereotyping. It yeah. was, uh, it's just, uh, it wasn't interesting to me that they, there was this homogeny of people, again, on a planet where somehow only Irish people made it to this planet in and prospered and they kept everything that was absolutely Irish um, about them. And the more interesting story was that debate of, you know, if you're dying, can you steal DNA? And then on top of that, um, if your DNA is stolen, do you have a right to kill yourself uh, or somebody else? And those are really fun, edgy kind of questions that were uh, glossed over um, I thought it was a lost opportunity. So five, and if you ask me, should you watch it? I was like, definitely skip it because this seems like a season one, episode five episode and not a season two, almost at the end of season two where I thought they found their legs and they really had a good feeling of where to go and then they kind of lost it. Eric? Uh, I'm going to give it three... Klingon measles that were completely irrelevant to the overall yes. episode. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. It's the first thing you experience is the symptoms of Klingon measles. It's the end of the cold open, so you think it's going to be important. You have the lovely tea ceremony and then fucking nothing. Nothing ever again. And I'm like, okay. It's fascinating to me. Uh, I... I liked the episode very much when it came out i still think it's funny but i talked myself out of liking it while we talked here um it's just again i i just think it's lazy and that's as someone who grew up <laughs> a farm boy and grew up you know uh, going going over and meeting the farm people in ireland that i come from and it's like it's just boring. It's it's just boring to me to to have these uh, characterizations, which again are based in plenty of truth. But you have plenty of drunk idiots in cities too. Right. You have plenty of drunk idiots that from every walk of life. You just chose the Irish because I don't know Andy Cap was big in the newspapers at this point. <laughs> um, uh, it just is lazy. That's all. So three uh, unimpactful measles <laughs> for me. Uh, and I'm going to give it four crocheted halter tops. <laughs> that's like a seven though, Kate. Well, that's true. <laughs> it is true. <laughs> I give them all the points for the halter tops though. Like it's holding, <laughs> it's holding back. <laughs> all, yeah. The metaphor goes. <laughs> but yeah it's not it's not the worst thing that i've seen but there uh, uh i agree with you jimmy in that we know that at this point they're starting to be capable of more so i'm not as forgiving of this episode as i might have been in season one um there are some fine performances in it um i i love a fiery you know uh, a woman who speaks her mind. Uh, I hate that she becomes, you know, the new Eve at the end. Don't don't love that backstory for her or that continuing story for her. Um, but yeah, it's it's an episode. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure? Well, we hope that you will join us next week for Manhunt. And if you'll excuse me, I need to find somewhere to wash my feet. Ha 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 ha!
<laughs> Lucky you. Thanks for joining our Cultural Bridge officers for this episode of Re-Engage. Next week, we are continuing the mission with another episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. We want to hear from you, our listeners. If you've got questions or observations, Halen frequencies are open. Email letsreengage at gmail.com or you can follow Reengage on Instagram and Twitter at reengagetng to get updates on episode drops and all kinds of fun Star Trek things. But you can follow Kate Yeager at Yeagerlicious on Twitter and Instagram. Jimmy G is at the Jimmy G on the gram. Greg Tito is at Greg Tito on Twitter and Greg underscore Tito on Instagram. Logo artwork by Mojo Jojo97 on Twitter or Mojo97.com. The music is by the incomparable Ryan Marth. Thanks for listening. Stand by for Riker's Beard to re-engage. <laughs>